Welcome to A Shame of Thrones, your weekly recap for HBO's Game of Thrones of a TV show, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, and as it suggests in that intro, uh, we're about to cover one of the worst episodes of Game of Thrones ever. Uh, this is uh, Season 5, Episode 6, titled Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken, which are the house... More like, uh, more like unwatchable, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Yo! Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Um... Yeah, that's the uh, house model of uh, House Martell, which, uh, you know, like I've said, I've said it a million times, but uh, they didn't really put any effort or thought into the whole Dorn uh, plot on the show. It's, you know, an yeah, afterthought. Yeah, that, that's their house motto, and I guess it comes from the fact that they were the only kingdom that didn't fall to the Targaryens in the big war. They uh, were winning through guerrilla warfare, and they were doing pretty good, but I think they end up just uh, capitulating uh, for a severe concessions that ordinarily a conqueror wouldn't wouldn't impose but uh so that's i think that's a, it's fairly interesting but i do think it's also kind of uh repetitive in nature unbound but and broken um unbroken yeah. it's just unconquerable and just be done with it yeah or just just better than you how about that yeah <laughs> but yeah. I, I do think like all we three of, shit <laughs> all, so all three of those things unbound unbent unbroken uh do not apply to sansa stark in this episode uh, well, I mean, I think from a larger perspective of where she ends up at the by the end of season six, maybe. I mean, she's. I Un- don't know. Unbent, though. I mean, come on. Oh, I. You know what? I. I did not watch that last ten minutes of the episode <laughs> the first time I watched it, and I did not watch it again this time. So, <sighs> I'm right. interested to hear what actually happens when you uh, describe. <laughs> it. I can't wait to describe it. I'm so glad I got that that scene. All right. So uh, before we jump right into this episode. Uh, let's just do a little recap here. Of um, We're going to go to IMDb's uh, ratings of all the Game of Thrones episodes and see where this ranks. This motherfucker still has eight stars. Oh, it still has eight stars, but it is the second worst uh, episode of all time, according to IMDb. Now, of course, they're I don't know what they're judging it on because, yes, there are episodes with uh, higher ratings uh, I guess they all have higher ratings. This have the there's, but there's an episode after this called uh, the Nightlands, which I guess was part of season. Um, I guess the same season. No, I don't know. Maybe season two. But anyway, there's no way that was nearly as bad as this. Uh, but let's see on Insider, uh, worst episode of Game of Thrones ever. Um, Sansa's wedding to uh, Ramsay. This episode featured a violent and gratuitous rape scene that caused an uproar amongst fans. Uh, Ramsay's sadistic nature was already known when Sansa was forced to marry him. The rape was totally unnecessary, and the outrage of the episode led to the show declining to or deciding to tone down the sexual violence in the future. Uh, that pretty much sums you know, it that up. race is a huge uh, that, yeah. And so I was going to bring this up once we got to that scene. But what what even was the fucking point of it? There's no point of it. We've talked about this. We've established Ramsey as being a sadistic evil person. Uh by like I don't know the second torture scene of Theon, like why do we keep need to keeping need keep having to go back to this well to illustrate just how awful it is? And I I think I mentioned this last week. It's just oppressive the amount of uh I don't know, negative vibes for bad, lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't even make sense, though. I, it, I, it makes it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't advance the plot. It just adds to the uh, this is a bad guy. That's the only thing it really does. And it also like 
Ramsey, he shouldn't be this stupid because now his father could get pissed off. Uh, Ray, uh, Littlefinger could get pissed off. I mean, I just don't even understand what his motivation would be, uh, I guess, other than breaking her. But what what even does that get him? Just because he's sadistic and crazy? I mean, she's already so a stupid. woman in this world, so she already doesn't have yeah. a lot of power. Uh, I, I, and then if... If you say maybe it's to turn up to get Theon to become a hero, I don't even think this is his turning point. I think Theon's like a little uh, bitch for a couple episodes, so I don't even think this is the catalyst for Theon trying to be a hero. Um, so no, it really doesn't make sense. You, didn't, you still didn't need him to, this to happen in order to make him a hero or anything. Well, he does decide to like man up, but I, I, once but, again, but this if you is admit, not, if you if you omitted this scene, it would not have any impact on whether. He becomes a man or not. It's not like the story would fall apart otherwise. Without no, this but, scene. Uh, but I'm saying I could, I'm not going to excuse this at all, but I'm saying that maybe in your in their minds that this would have been the impetus for uh, Theon to become the hero. Uh, but even then, you're doing it at the expense of a main character, which is awful. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just terrible. And I want to say that the, the lowest ratings after season um, four... Was the episode following this? Following yeah. this, so like this, the ratings they lost uh, over a million people just between this episode and the next um, because of this. And and let's just give a recap for why I decided to do this uh, uh, podcast. It it was after watching season five and just how terrible. Yeah, actually, it explain was. that to me. I'm curious about that. I, I think we talked about because this it on episode make a lot one. Of sense. Okay, so oh, okay. so here's the thing. Uh, it's been a it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Two weeks since you looked at me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but it's been some time uh, since the first episode. So yeah, I started doing this podcast because after season five, I wanted to quit the show. I was ready to quit the show because of this scene, because of uh, uh, Shireen getting burned, um, and because of the way the sand skanks were handled. Um, it was just all terrible, and I didn't see any reason to keep watching it. Plus, I enjoy the books better. Now, I think they learned from their mistakes, and uh, I enjoyed season six, but what got me to do the podcast at the end of season five, going into season six, was um, I don't want to watch the show, but I realized that there's no way for me to quarantine the show or what happens uh, from myself. I knew that people at work would be talking about it. Hell, I remember being at the airport um, after Jon Snow was resurrected and the TSA guys like laughed at each other to each other. He goes, my boy Jon Snow's back. Oh, yeah. And they were giving high fives to each other. And I was like, okay, well, that's a concrete example of why I couldn't avoid this show. So this show's such a cultural phenomenon that I would have been spoiled anyway. So I figured, hey, I'm going to have to watch this TV show anyway. I need to cope. So I wanted somebody to talk to about it. So that's why I started this podcast. This season... Uh, and this episode in particular was one of those pillars of why I wanted to hate watch the show um, just to kind of, because I realized I'd have to watch it anyway. I don't know. Does that make sense at all? Uh, a little bit. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're very interesting, Doug. So hey, you, uh, I mean, I, you're, you're right to a, a large degree. The show could be great, and then they just introduce these awful things that really make you not want to watch it. And it's sad because... They're uh, they're messing up something that the, in the books that you love uh, a lot. So plus they're messing uh, up something that they've already established. Now, once again, we we talk shit about the show on a weekly basis, but we've both acknowledged that this show can be great. This can be the best TV show on television, and in certain episodes, it has been. 
right? Yeah, and even when it's mediocre, it's still better than 95% television. But some of these things are just so awful. Like this one is just so awful. Yeah. Uh, And once again, I think they're trying to shock the audience. I think it's that, like, they're addicted to the shock value, but when it serves no narrative purpose, it just seems as that one uh, article from uh, Insider said, gratuitous. No, no question about it. Absolutely gratuitous because we, you and I, know these things inside and out. Uh, at least for the purposes of the podcast, and we can't come up with a good reason that this happened other than Ramsey's bad, right? So sucks. So let's uh, let's launch into it. Ah, uh, yeah, let's get this over. Our way through it because a lot of even beyond that scene, a lot of this episode is kind of boring. It's yeah, it's a very yeah. uh, terrible episode. Yeah. All okay. right. So let's, so let's jump right in. So the show starts off with Arya cleaning dead bodies as part of her you know, mailroom job, I guess, at the House of Black and White, you know, where she gets perpetually hazed. And uh, when she's done cleaning the body, some dudes in robes come in, take the body to another room, into a secret room, and they close the door. Um, And she's about to go check out what's behind that door, but resting bitch face comes in. Uh, Also, I'm going to refer to as the ugly little girl. Uh, She comes in and prevents any further investigation. Tells Arya that uh, she sucks and um, to get back at her work, back to her work. Uh, and they play annoying little game called the game of faces or lies. I can't remember. Uh, basically it's like, uh, a long winded game of am I lying or am I not? And, uh, Arya loses and she's shamed later. Uh, she's woken up by Jake and asking her, who are you? And then they proceed to play the game again. Uh, do I tell lies or my lies real? And Jaken beats her with a, I guess, a wooden like stick every time she tells a lie. Uh, and it comes out that she tells a lie about how much she hated the hound, and he whips her, uh, inferring that she didn't hate the hound. Yeah, that's about the only interesting thing that comes from this uh, scene. After Arya is beaten bloody, uh, she cries, Uncle, and she, she's done playing these stupid games. And Jaken informs her that we never stop playing games. Um, and then I just, that's the end of the ep, uh, scene. And I want to say, this literally is the most boring assassin training school in the world. This is just. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? When she's washing those bodies, I kept thinking of um, the Flintstones, you know, where they, like, the the animals would just be like the. Or the dinosaurs would be like their their vacuums in their toilets or whatever. Yeah, so and they'd be like, it's a living. While she's washing bodies. Um, you know, it's supposed to be like this aura of mystery, and it drags on so long. Even like this uh, this this episode, it would have been a lot better if they just had one scene from this stupid house of the undead right. or whatever. And it, it you know it's there's no real payoff as we eventually discover, other than she is a little bit better of a fighter and can I guess well the payoff she can, she can do switch faces she can do face yeah switch. well that's the thing and the payoff at least in this episode is we get to see there's a bunch of people's cut off faces that they have in a room whoop the fucking do right uh, but you know I even recall on the first viewing of this before I knew what any of it was being bored of it pretty quickly. Yeah, because it's just it's mystery for mystery's sake, and right. there's nothing really behind it. So some David Lindelof bullshit. Uh, yeah. And plus, I've worn a human face. It doesn't make you look like somebody else. It just makes you look like some weirdo with a shitty mask on. That's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We learned anything from uh, from the cable guy. <laughs> <laughs> the Islands of the Lambs. All right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and there's got to be better ways to to train people than slapping them with a goddamn stick. I don't even. 
Yeah, somebody call OSHA on this shit. Yeah, anyways. But, all right, but uh, no, let's 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 because I'm sure we'll go back to this well. But let's just get out of the way. Uh, it seems like all their training has to do with like trickery and like no martial prowess, really. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think that she does train with that stick, right? Like they like there's those beatings in the middle of the street with a stick. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's about it. I don't know. I just, uh, she's training to be a secret assassin, one of the best assassins in the world, and this is what we have to uh, endure. Endure. It's just fucking terrible. I hate it. Yeah, yeah. So next we go to Jordan <sighs> and Tyrion, and they are cooling themselves off. They've apparently been traveling while surviving on berries. Uh, these fellows are just not getting along. Suddenly strikes Tyrion. That's odd. Why Jorah has not asked why Tyrion is over in Essos. Tyrion uh, gives a little bit of a recap, tells Jorah that he killed his dad because his dad was banging the woman that he loves. Tyrion then tells Jorah how he met Jorah's dad and also how Jorah's dad was a great leader. And I say that past tense because he's passed away. So Jorah then learns that his dad has passed away, which he did not know previously. Tyrion tells Jorah that his own people murdered him or his own men. Uh, which Jorah seems to kind of take into stride and then just wants to begin traveling again. Yeah, I, I, I think I liked Jorah's reaction because it was like, you know, it was an internal struggle. You could tell he was trying to be the tough guy, but it still like hit him a little bit. Um, so I thought it, I thought the reaction was well, uh, was handled well. Plus, you know, Tyrion just does anything Tyrion's involved in is pretty good. So I, I kind of like the scene. I don't know. Yeah, they were. This, I think we've talked about the Tyrion is kind of uh, kind of stunk a little bit so far. Yeah, the the relationship. So I think this one turned around a little bit. I think this one was definitely better. Well, I think uh, that the, his relationship mm-hmm. with Varys was uh, a totally missed opportunity because yeah. this whole season he's been with Varys until he hooked up with Jorah, and their back and forth was really not great. There was no real chemistry there as like a duo or you know partners in crime team. Um, yeah, a little disappointing. Um, it, but what is interesting about this, though, to me, is that Jorah's father was at the wall, I believe, because of Jorah's crimes, which was a former slaver. Yeah, we don't know for a fact, but we think there's some... I, I don't know for a fact. You guys let us know out there if Jorah's dad joined the wall before or after he uh, got into this trouble. Uh, because I think it was after his dad was already at the wall. Because he was the lord of uh, Bear Island at this time. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm not sure. So you guys, Sam Shu, uh, go ahead and look through the books, comb through them, and uh, find the. Just give us the uh, notation there, and citation. We'll look it up. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it's just interesting because Tyrion genuinely respected and liked Jorah's dad. Like Gior. Gior, yeah. Uh, there was no real. He's not doing this as like a flippant thing to like piss off Jorah. Uh, he definitely liked Gior, Jorah's dad. So yes. Kind of like a. They have this to bond over, I guess. Even though, you know, Jorah's not coming out of his shell. He's like a little turtle emotionally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So back at the hazing church, uh, Arya is scrubbing the floors. When a dad and his daughter enter the chamber, ugh, the daughter is sick and dying, and and the guy asks Arya to euthanize her uh, because he can't heal her. Uh, and she goes over and shares a personal bullshit story about how her dad never gave up on her. 
uh, and tells her that the water will make everything all better. <laughs> so Jaken is watching this, and I guess he's impressed that Arya, you know, nonchalantly killed a girl uh, through euthanasia, um, and decided to show her what's behind the secret door, and it's a hall full of severed faces. And obviously she thinks this is cool. Um, and... And he asks, uh, you can't wear a face yet, but are you ready for shit to get real? And she's like, oh, fuck yeah. So it makes you think, hey, something exciting is going to happen, but it doesn't. And that's how that scene ends. Yeah, the double up on this this fucking shit so close together is a real killer. Yeah, that's a mistake. I mean, yeah, you should have came back to it, I don't know, a little way down the road, maybe a couple scenes later. Yeah, I don't, there's really, uh, this season, there's really like a, uh, I guess because Arya is so popular among fans, seems like there's a real effort to shove a little bit of her story into every episode, and it's a killer because a lot of it's just really boring, as this was, and actually, this was really depressing shit, yeah. um, kill my suffering child, more or less, I mean, is Arya even trained on that? Um, no, but you, she. this is showing that she's good at lying. If we're going to stay within the episode and establish that mm-hmm. she was getting whipped for not lying good enough, here she's lying very well, at least enough to trick a little girl, and she gets rewarded for it. Right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but it's terrible. I mean, it seems like a uh, the secret of my success situation where she just uh, shows up and does which uh, job several levels of, above her pay grade. Um, it's terrible. Um, you know, and then the Hall of Faces even. And the dad, it would have been awesome if the dad found out, the janitor killed my daughter? What the fuck? (laughs) I wanted a faceless man to do this. Oh, God damn it. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Um, (laughs) The Hall Um, of Faces, I thought they were trying to go for another crazy reveal. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really Underwhelming, right? Yeah, and I read online that they put a lot of effort into it. They made 10-foot posts of faces, and they actually oh, made Jesus. 600 individual face casts what a waste. to put around the thing. What a fucking and waste. And then they tripled up all the 10-foot posts. But uh, I, I don't even I – mean, it didn't really translate very well on it no. from, like, the screen. And it was also just kind of boring. Like, all right, so here's these faces. Right. So what do you do? Yeah. I – that that reveal reminded me of when we found out that um, Mel was like six hundred years old, and yeah. it re- actually, I mean, just kind of a boring what's the impact? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind oh. of interesting, but what does it? What impact does it have on the story? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, right, well, so then, real quick, yeah. so uh, yeah, I was watching this behind the scenes of uh, Aliens, uh, James Cameron, uh, great film there, and you've never seen it, but anyway. They couldn't, they had to cut corners, and uh, one way they did is they had, like, the sleeping pods open up, and they needed, like, 12 of them, so they just had maybe four, and they just put uh, two sets of mirrors, like, on each side, so it just looked like it was repeating, and it it looks flawless. So, like, with just mirrors, they probably could have gotten this fucking hall of faces done, and we could have maybe gotten a goddamn direwolf in this fucking scene. <laughs> yeah. Rant over. Go ahead. All right. So next we go back to Joran and Tyrion. It's really odd choice to go from one seat, like going back and forth between these two to open the scene instead of kind of spacing them out further. But I guess they want to give plenty of time for the later uh, marriage rape. So um, Tyrion asks Jorah why Danny. Jorah recounts uh, the story of how he saw her birth of baby dragons. Tyrion points out that she may not actually be a good queen, uh, 
you know, he kind of walks through the logic. What's the end game? Uh, the Targaryens are actually kind of crazy, and it also seems odd that a foreigner would show up and rule over Westeros, uh, which Jorah responds that she has the birthright. Tyrion's kind of skeptical of the, of the birthright. Suddenly, Jorah sees a slave ship, and he should know, obviously, because he was in the slave game for a while. They try to hide, but there, of course, a slaver creeps up behind them. We cut to the main slaver deciding what to do with Jorah and Tyrion. He decides to keep Jorah, but he wants to kill Tyrion because he's worthless other than his severed member. I guess dwarf dongs are worth a fortune. And that's uh, hilarious, by the we'll way. We'll get back to that, yeah. So Tyrion points out that no one will know that it's a dwarf dong because he's rocking it in his breeches. Uh, the slaver agrees and says uh, we'll keep him alive until they can find a cock merchant. I mean, that might as well just said, hey, repeat this to everyone after this episode. The slaver that mentions the fighting pits of Marine. Tyrion sees an opportunity and tells him of Jorah's uh, fighting prowess. Initially, the dude is reluctant, but then Jorah steps up and says he's defeated a blood rider, which eventually convinces the slaver to take him to Westeros or Marine in the fighting pits. Yeah, this uh, is the first, like, like really cliche scene. Uh, and, you know, this pairs well with the later Sand Snakes shitty fight. Um, where, oh no, hide. <laughs> There's some slavers about. Yeah. Uh-oh, and they're all around you. Uh, it's just that that whole, like, ambush just seemed like out of bullshit, I don't know, Saturday morning cartoons, cliche crap. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I understand mm-hmm. it moves the plot along, but uh, it doesn't. It didn't seem to be done well. Uh, and I don't know what they were doing. They were just walking towards the water, kind of aimlessly. I don't know. Uh, it, it, the whole thing just didn't make a whole lot of sense. It just seemed to be uh, just plot device. No, do you recall if this or something resembling this happened in the books? Yeah, yeah. Were I think dwarf they were dogs um, worth a fortune. Uh, I don't remember that. I just remember they got taken. Uh, Jorah got uh, tattooed as a slave. You know, all the slaves okay. get tattoos for different uh, whatever purposes. And, you know, I guess Jorah was a, a slave at some point. Um, but, you know, this was Dance of Dragons. I think I've, I reread it once, maybe. Uh, so I don't really remember how they got taken. But um, the whole Dwarf Dong thing, even if it was in the books, it was played up really well here because that seems like the kind of humor that these uh, jackasses are into. Yeah, actually, uh, Jermaine went to school for uh, cock merchantry. I think he had a BA in cock merchantry. You know what? He hasn't been on in a while. I think I should invite him back. What do you think? Oh, no, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this. So the, the like the thing that swings the cock or the, cock, the uh, slave trader <laughs> is that – it's, uh, Paging Doctor Freud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that Jesus. I could tell a story, but then it might reveal too much about me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and not something I did; somebody else did. But anyways. Uh-huh. Okay. So the thing that the the slave uh, driver what swings? What do you think? No. So uh, somebody at my work sent an email asking if anyone knew of a uh, pedi- pediatric gynecologist to everyone because uh sometimes in my line of work we need to find experts and uh he actually meant a pediatric uh just a, what was it like a pediatric just a pediatrician so uh that caused a quite a bit of a row uh when this guy's 
instead of just asking for a pediatrician. Oh, wow. That's really dark, but yeah, that's that's weird. I would not be alone with that guy. Uh, no, he doesn't work there any longer. Uh, uh, so anyways, uh, so Jorah says the thing that swings whether he's good or not to the slave guy is that he defeated a Dothraki blood rider that was Cal Drogo's. So, I mean, is that is that that huge of a deal? You know I, what I mean? Think so, I, I think so, but, like, you would think that they would they would be, you know, money talks and bullshit walks. Like, I, I think what would be better if he goes, if Tyrion said, he can defeat three of your guys, just give him a sword, he can do it one-handed. And then if yeah. and then what how awesome would it be if Jorah like with one hand tied behind his back had a sword and he's looking at Tyrion going you motherfucker I'm going to get you for this and he still kills three fucking pirates or slave trader guys how awesome would that have been and then that would have convinced the guy you would have seen more of a relationship build between Tyrion and Jorah uh plus mm-hmm. it wasn't just a bluster and like trust me dude yeah, this, it's going to be great. Legit. It's going to yeah. be huge. Yeah, <laughs> I, it just seems odd that if he just says Dothraki blood runner, because I, even though I'm sure the Dothraki, I guess they have a, a reputation of being very fierce and great warriors, especially the blood riders. I mean, is that really that much better than the best of Westeros? Especially because you think the Westeros people wear armor and shit. Like, that's a huge advantage, even though like the Dothraki might be crazier, you know? Uh, yeah, but the bigger point, you're absolutely right, but the bigger point is, uh, yeah, why why would they believe this guy? Yeah, I just, uh, it's, that just struck me as stupid. Um, but, it, you know. This whole thing, scene is uh, very contrived. Yeah. This whole scene I want to write off. It's just. Yeah, the cock merchant line was basically written so that people would repeat it at work the next day. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, like, go up to the guy that's like five foot four in the office and go, "Hey, this is cock merchant, let's sell this dwarf's dick." <laughs> it's a fortune. Maybe like four chan. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Peter Baelish is. <laughs> the- I don't know. I'm just trying to be topical for the kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Peter Baelish is back in King's Landing, and he is quickly confronted by Lancel Lannister, the douchey monk thug. Uh, and they try to intimidate uh, Littlefinger by saying they don't take kindly to flesh peddlers. Things have changed since you've been gone. Uh, you know, some real dumb uh, cowboy stuff. And the fact that he, like, finds him right away is weird. Um, later, uh, Peter Baelish is talking to Cersei and asking uh, why the fuck she had Loras arrested uh, via the Brotherhood. So he obviously knows what the fuck's going on. And she, of course, is repeating this lie that's fooling nobody, including probably Tommen, that she had nothing to do with it. You know, she didn't take him captive. Anyway, um, uh, you know, she says she didn't have anything to do with it. It was because, you know, of who he chose to lay with. And Peter says, (laughs) wait a minute. He points out the hypocrisy of her laying with her brother in a roundabout way, which I thought was great. Oh, I didn't even pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, it was very subtle, yeah. but she's like, you know, because he laid with, uh, and he's like, you know, we would, we shouldn't judge people's bedroom habits that uh, closely. Basically, I, I don't know exactly what he said, but he threw it in her face that uh, she was fucking her brother, which I thought was great. And I, I don't think I noticed it the first time around. Um, So Cersei just pushes past that remark, um, and she wants reassurances that the Eerie's army uh, is going to be on Tom and side when the time comes. Um, 
And he says, of course it will. Plus he says he has quote unquote found Sansa Stark. Uh, and his intel tells him that she's going to marry uh, the Bolton in Winterfell. So once again, taking the heat off of uh, Littlefinger here and putting it right onto the Boltons as the uh, traitors. Not Littlefinger, the traitor, but the Boltons as the traitor, which is a good play, I guess. But, you know, you would think that there'd be somebody who knew that she arrived with Peter Baelish. It wasn't like he hid or anything. I don't know. Uh, Cersei is pissed uh, to find this out because she thought the Boltons were on their uh, side. I mean, the Boltons got the North and are the Wardens of the North because of the Lannisters. Uh, So she's rightfully pissed. Uh, You know, and she's... She wants extreme. She specifically wants Sansa dead, which is fucked up. Wanting a little girl dead uh, because they cut to in the next scene. They cut to her daughter uh, who ends up dead. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Littlefinger says that he will take Winterfell with the Eerie's forces, and in exchange, he wants to be named Warden of the North. Uh, so this, I think, this little scene, I think, makes more sense of next season. Uh, why he wants to go to war. Um, it's just Littlefinger trying to get uh, a bigger and bigger castle. Like he's, you know, the Lord of Harrenhal. He married Lysa Aaron. Now he controls the Eyrie. Uh, and if he can get control of not only Winterfell, but named Warden of the North, I mean, he's got half the fucking kingdom. Yeah, I guess so. I, 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 I st- uh, yeah, I mean, that makes a little bit of sense, but still, what's his, I mean, he's playing off these, Huge powers against each other. I don't necessarily know, understand his plan entirely. Yeah, I mean, uh, his plan right now relies on the Lannisters to back him. Because the Lan Or Tommen, uh, whatever, who controls Tommen, uh, which is the Lannisters, to give him his place as Warden of the North. I guess. I, then, so what's he doing with, uh, with, with Roose Bolton? Why is he turning Roose Bolton against the Lannisters? I think he... I, mean, I guess take his position? Right. I think he, he's just using Sansa as bait. Like, he gave her Sansa. Now Sansa is going to be the reason he's going to go to war with Winterfell. Or the North. Okay. So he is yeah. basically setting it up like, hey, they had Sansa the whole time, and they're traitors. I'm going to go take care of them for you, and I want to be rewarded by I mean, whatever what, they got. But what if they just tell him that... He had Sansa, and he's the one who who, did, who set this whole thing up. Right. There, if, even, but here's the thing: even if they say that, b- the fact that they married Sansa, I feel like uh, in a he said he said situation, they're gonna side with the guy who didn't marry Sansa Stark. You yeah, know what I I'm guess so. Yeah, that makes a little sense, right? Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, whatever. It's, who cares? Uh, yeah, the other thing uh, that was struck me about this scene is Cersei, Darth Cers- or Cersei being just so smug. The thing that she knows everything, and you know, we see as the show progresses further, everything that she decides to do is wrong. It's a bad it's a, idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually I was curious, and I wonder what you think if the um, now that she's in the Darth Cersei phase, uh, if that's going to continue or not, or she's actually going to become smarter about what she's doing. Or I think she's going to be. I think she's going to become smarter in the way that she's going to become more ruthless. Like I feel okay. like she's not going to deal with uh pretenses anymore if that makes sense she's not gonna pretend to like she's not gonna like if the situation happened again she'd be like yeah i i threw loris in jail 
She yeah. won't like use an intermediary. I think she just thinks that she's all powerful. Uh, and I feel like she's going to rule with an iron fist and not worry about these games anymore. Or a golden fist. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Very good. <clears throat> okay. So next we go to uh, Prince Bus's nuts. Uh, Tristane, he's proposing to Marcella. She is reluctant, so he makes a move on her. Subtext is he wants to bone down, but she's waiting until marriage. We switch to uh, Prince Doran. Is he speaking to who's that dude that looks cool with a giant axe sword? uh, Arya Hotar. Not Arya, but it's like Ario or something like that. I don't know. His last name is Hotar or Hotar. I don't know. Okay, we'll go with Hotar. Okay. And essentially, uh, Prince says that uh, there will probably be trouble, and he hopes that Hotar is keeping his, is ready for a rumble. Is it's been a long time since he's engaged in combat. Yeah, and I thought this was a huge fuck you, be- considering that this guy doesn't fight at all. He just gets stabbed in the belly or the back by one of the sand skinks at the end of the season or the beginning of next season. Um, it's in the next season because we've discussed how that was particularly disappointing because this dude's supposed to right. just wreck shit, and then he just gets shanked by these fucking pieces of shit. So. Right. In the book, he dispatches of a uh, Kingsguard pretty quickly. So yeah. Marcella was sent to Dorn, uh, not by herself, with one of the members of the Kingsguard, who is, he's not just a schlub, mm-hmm. um, but he's getting, the guy in the book is getting seduced by Ariane uh, Martell, who is a daughter of Doran that doesn't even exist in the show. But anyway, this guy, Arya Hotar, like, spins his axe, cuts off his arm, and then decapitates the guy, like, in one, like, like fail swoop. And it sounds awesome, like, the way it played out in the book. Uh, but of course, we get none of that. He doesn't do anything but like uh, in the Xena uh, esque action sequence that we get with the Sand Skanks, he like puts his like axe close to Jamie's neck and says, "If this was another, you know, if you had your hand, this would be a good. If fight. you were whole, this would have been a good fight. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I was sure going to remark on that later. We'll ca- I'm sorry. Spoiler yeah. alerts. We will be talking about the rest of this episode as we talk about it now. All um, right. So we transition to Jamie and Bron, and they're on horses and traveling. And apparently we have just learned that there is actually a third song in the universe about a Dornishman's wife. Did not know this. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah, uh, three songs now. Tell your friends, tell your family. Uh, and also prompts the question, why is this idiot singing while they're trying to blend in? Jamie tells uh, Bron to stop singing. They, uh, they're going to be discovered. And they see a traveling caravan, and they're able to, I guess, blend in. Or they actually, actually, they don't blend in yet. We see them uh, look at the uh, like a sweeping view of the water gardens, and then they uh, eventually infiltrate the water gardens, which apparently has no security whatsoever. Comments, questions? No, it's just really terrible. Yeah. Wait, do they get into the fight yet? No, that's uh, that's coming uh, coming soon. Next scene. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm about to get to it. Yeah, it, I think we talked. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but I know I sent you messages about how Bron was in his original career was like as some singer in like a two man duo. Like yeah, a he was a pop artist. British broke ass righteous brothers, or I don't know what they were <laughs> doing exactly. But uh, if you have the time, look up uh, Bron. I don't remember that dude's real name. Uh, there's some pretty funny looking pictures. Yeah, like funnier than The Rock as a young guy with a fanny pack. That's probably the greatest picture that's ever happened. But 
Yeah. Yep. Especially when he's gone back and recreated that picture. <laughs> Did he recreate that picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock uh, has a pretty good sense of humor. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd elect him president. Yeah. I mean, he's better than those other guys. Am I right? Uh, yeah. All right. So next, the Sand Skanks are doing a chant of the title unwatchable, unwatchable, unwatchable. They put on masks and then yell for Oberon. The Sand Skanks uh. enter the water gardens. Hey, it just happens to be the same time as Bron and Jamie. Uh, Bron and Jamie. Actually, I wanted to kind of do a portmanteau of Bron and Jamie instead of saying it over and over again. So, how does Bramy sound? Uh,. It sounds like okay. Let's see, for for uh, rough draft or pass number one. That's fine. Well, I mean the alternative is Jan, so I think Bramie's probably better. Bra- <laughs> I like Bram. No, that doesn't work. Bramie, Bramie. Uh, who cares? Uh, Bramie stumble upon Princess Marcella making out with uh, Tristane, and again, no security whatsoever around the prince and the uh, and the the ward or the prisoner, I guess. Jamie reveals himself to Marcella. Jamie wants to speak alone, but Tristane steps in the way, so Bron knocks him out. Jamie then tells Marcella they must go. When hey, coincidence, chance snakes arrive. A uh, fracas ensues in which no one is actually injured, despite everyone swing- singing, swinging giant sharp objects at each other. And then uh, Hotar arrives with the Kingsguard and um, tells everyone to stop. One of those idiot sand skanks says something stupid about, uh, I follow Oberon, who do you follow? Everybody ignores her, as they should. Um, they're all taken prisoner, with the exception of Jamie tries to hold out. He refuses to drop a sword until... Hotar swings his pulse hard at the neck and says something to the effect of, this would have been a good fight when you were whole. Jesus Christ, this is one of the worst things that's ever happened. Yeah, this is one of the, this is probably worse than the entire um, series final on HBO. Yeah. Just synthesized in one scene. Uh, because, like, there's just so much coincidence. We've talked about this. The quality of thought and effort put into this Dornish plotline is minimum. It, it's just, it's fucking uh, embarrassing that a show that, it's got to be, what do you think, like, the amount of people that get employed, the amount of money this show makes, it's got to be in the hundred, like, tens of millions of dollars, uh, and they, or maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars, and they... They they put forth this. It's it's fucking awful. It's just stupid. It's the the fight scene was. Inc- it was comical. Yeah, it was yeah. comical how bad it was. Just fucking terrible. Yeah, so I read online that uh, this this place is uh, called the Al Alcazar of Seville, which is a royal palace in Spain where they filmed this. And hey, it's pretty. Yeah. Huh? That's pretty. I don't know the 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 palace is is fine looking. I have no problem with the palace. Yeah. So, but what by doing that they only had one week to film there for whatever reason, and they also had camera issues because they had to be concerned about messing with this you know this historic landmark. So it, they they kind of screwed themselves by picking this specific location. They couldn't do what they could do to make it actually a good shot. So uh, they should have just. I mean, if that was a but concern. Even so, even so, the chore the choreography is so bad. Um, I mean, it just looks the entire thing looks comical as shit. Right. You couldn't like send a guy to like go take pictures and and figure out how much space you're going to have in the courtyard 
and like have them practice a little bit. I don't know. Uh, plus, yeah, I mean, green screen, green screen. I mean, it's not that hard. I, I, I don't know. Plus, like the way they, they were be fighting in space on a green screen. <laughs> So the the scan the sand snakes in the book have so much more personality, and there's so much more different. I can't tell them apart. There's like the bitchy one that looks like Michelle Rodriguez, and then there's a the young one, and then there's the other one that's not one of those girls. That's how I tell them apart. Um, and this whole plot happens kind of in the book because uh, we talked about it. Ariane Doran's daughter kidnaps Marcella because she wants to name Marcella. Uh, queen of the seven kingdoms um, because she's older than Tommen because in the Dornish tradition uh, not necessarily do the boys come before the daughters so Marcella's older than Tommen but the only reason that uh, this girl Ariane wants to do it uh, make Marcella the uh, queen is because it'll set the precedent that she could be the ruling power in Dorn when her dad dies because she has a a younger brother who, if the patriarchal system is uh, upheld, he would become the new Prince of Dorne and rule Dorne. Uh, and even though she's older, she would take a backseat to him. So it's all selfish and, uh, and whatnot. And it's contrived. And I don't like Dorne in the book. We've talked about this several times. I do not like yeah. Dorne in the book. I do not like the Iron Islands in the book. And uh, the... Book four and five spend way too much time on both these places, but still, it is not as fucking awful as what we got here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Rant I mean, over. Rant over. Yeah. yeah. Okay, All so right. some the highlight of the episode, Queen of Thorn shows up, and she's back. She's heading to the capital, and about five miles out, she's like, Jesus, I can smell this shit from here. So she's already coming in and throwing, uh, dropping... Uh, awesome bombs, how she cool. Well, I is. think though, supposedly that uh, King's Landing is, is supposed to smell like shit. Oh yeah, because it's a shanty town more or less after the initial, you know, what was the 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 Red Keep. After that, nobody planned. It's not like a city planner has evolved. So yeah, and even if even if they streets. planned really hard, I think these fucking troglodytes wouldn't think of sewage or. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just gonna yeah, throw their imagine. shit out their window like they did in Rome. You know, just throw it out the window. Imagine. Being able to just poop on the streets? That'd be yeah. awesome. That yeah, would be great. I've done it a couple times. Not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> you walk around the whole rest of the day without underwear because you use that to wipe. It's not the best, okay? Okay, so, uh, yeah, she, she makes light uh, joke about how shitty, um, you know, King's Landing is. Once she gets there, she immediately talks to Large Marge about, she's like, what the fuck is going on? So the women are handling business. Um she is entertaining as always, and she says that she will deal with Cersei. Um, so we cut to later in Cersei's office, and Cersei's pulling a power move by not paying attention to uh, Queen of Thorns while she writes letters or just basically writes, I don't know, like uh, like flowers or who knows what she's writing. <laughs> um, uh, she's playing innocent, but uh, after the Queen of Thorns finally accuses of her being uh, behind the imprisonment, once again, nobody... Uh, thinks that Cersei isn't behind getting Loras locked up. Um, the Queen of Thorns threatens to end the alliance um, if Cersei doesn't pay attention to her uh, between their two houses because, uh, you know, the Queen of Thorns and the Tyrells are supplying food to the entire city uh, and the Lannisters truly would be fucked if they didn't have the Tyrells around. 
Uh, but Cersei says no one wants war, and she minimizes the whole situation. And she says, hey, he's not on trial. It's just an inquest. They're just trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Um, and then Cersei curtly dismisses the Queen of Thorns, and she just takes it. That's pretty much it. Yeah, this was kind of a letdown scene. Um, right, you know, because a, the Queen of Thorns... Few zing- yeah. Few good zingers, but no real knockouts. Um, also kind of a rehashing of uh, everything we've already known, but uh, you would... I mean, there were a couple good good things here and there, but I, I, I left... I walked away from this kind of underwhelmed. Well, it's, it's one of these things where the Queen of Thorns didn't get the upper hand, yeah. but I, I don't feel like Cersei got the upper hand either. If that makes sense, it's not like Cersei like put her in her place. Yeah, uh, it just it seemed unsatisfying the interaction here. Yeah, and it should have been one of the better interactions, I would think. You would think, but uh, yeah. yeah, not a lot going on. So next up, we have the trial of the century: the People versus Loras Tyrell. It's presided over by a man in a burlap sack, or perhaps a sack that used to be used to carry potatoes. Uh, first, the uh, High Sparrow enters into evidence that Loras was upset by Ridley's death, and why didn't he? Uh, why didn't he support other claims to the crown? Mentions also mentions Renly's armor that uh, that Loras wore Renly's armor at the Battle of Blackwater, which is uh, actually this is kind of interesting. You know, we might have discussed this before, but that was kind of a big deal in the books, right, Doug? Uh, yeah, because people, it, it was just a. It, it, it was a scare tactic, which is why I think um, um, Tyr- uh, Tyrion's dad was his name. Tywin was all about yeah. it. So Tywin and Loras were at the head of the army. They led the vanguard, um, and Loras did it because he was in love with Renly. But Tywin, I guess, allowed it because it seemed like Renly's ghost was coming back to punish all these turncoats. Because let's not forget half of Stannis' army, and they probably didn't do a good job of explaining this, but half of Stannis' army used to be people that were loyal to Renly, and more than half. So, like, right. all these guys, you know, brother versus brother, so, like, the Stormlands basically split in half, uh, and half of them went to go support Renly, so... They switched over to Stannis when Renly was dead because what are they going to do? They have to go home. I'm sure they have like friends and families back home, and that's all Stannis' domain. So they joined yeah. his army, and, and you know when they saw uh, King Renly back from the grave, which is what they thought, by seeing this guy in his armor run around, and Loras is a badass, so he's killing people left and right. They must have thought it was some kind of avenging angel and probably scared the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah. So and I, it's kind of disappointing they've made uh, references to that in the show, but never really explained it. So, <clears throat> anyways, the High Sparrow cuts to the chase and asks Loras if he's uh, banged any dudes, which he denies, and that kind of ends the questioning of Loras. High Sparrow though calls Marge to testify. She's not immune from testifying, despite her being a queen. Marge testify that uh, that. That uh, Loras has never banged a dude, and uh, she has no knowledge of it. High Sparrow asks her to swear to the gods that she has it, clearly setting her up. Uh, anybody who's uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good setup on his part. Um, so then, next is the surprise witness, and Loras seems upset about seeing him. Apparently, it's Loras's former squire, 
Actually, I thought it was the guy who was running uh, Littlefinger's whorehouse. That's right. That's all I know him as. I don't know if he was yes. squire. Yes, is it not the same dude? It's the same dude. So I don't know why this guy is Loras's squire, unless he was spending time with Loras, and they just said, "Hey, you're my squire now," or something. I don't know. Because yeah, he was definitely close. with Littlefinger before he got involved with Loras, and he got involved with Loras just at Littlefinger's bidding. So, yeah, it was very confusing to me. So I'm glad that you were also confused. Right. So uh, this former squire testifies that they banged a lot, and Marge uh, walked in on them once and did not seem surprised. Cersei interjects, why are you insulting one of the great houses of the kingdom? Clearly just perfunctory uh, objection. The stable boy then says that there's a birthmark on uh, Loris's upper thigh, and Loris runs at the guy, which, I mean— Clearly, he's guilty at this point. Right, no question about it. But also, it's kind of like when time, you fire the head of the FBI direct, <laughs> the director of the FBI when he's investigating you. Like, <laughs> and then regardless of whether you did it or not, it just doesn't look good. Yeah, and then you say the other side wanted him fired weeks before. So, yep. uh, but but also, I mean, as the uh, as the the squire, he would you would think that he probably would have seen. Seen him nude, or at least yeah. This whole thing is bullshit. It's it's once again. It's he said he said, and just because he can identify a birthmark on his thigh doesn't mean everything he said is a lie. Well, they're but they're at the the grand jury stage, so they're just uh, deciding whether or not they can continue on with the charges. I guess. I mean, but they didn't even if they they actually it would have been very cliche, and we probably would have been mad if they did it. They probably should have shown them like exposing the the birthmark, so he goes, "Oh my gosh, it is uh, Dorn or whatever the fuck." You are the father, mm-hmm. and then the crowd, the the studio audience would go, "Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Maury Povich in there with a with a lie detector." But yeah, the really telling part of the scene was when uh, the High Sparrow says to Large Marge, uh, "You know, royalty isn't." Um, uh, excuse from testifying in a on a whatever holy trial. Yeah. So that should have been a warning sign to Cersei that this was probably a bad idea. <laughs> oh yeah, idiot. Yeah. Well, it's. Just, I mean, it's also great to see Cersei constantly hoisted on her own petard because she's an idiot. Yeah. And, anyways. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know that. Uh, the only part I enjoyed was hating Cersei for being like. Well, how could you possibly accuse these people? That was kind of, I guess, enjoyable yeah. from a, a thinking Cersei's just a slime ball. I don't know. Yeah, so let me finish this out. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. declares uh, that that's enough to go to trial for Loras, and then surprise Marge. Uh, Marge yells for Tom and help, which she doesn't do anything as usual. Then Cersei smirks, smirks, and the Queen of Thorns is apparently not cool with all of this. You know, you convinced me. So, I think you're right. Uh, Tommen should have killed himself. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he had it coming. <laughs> yeah. He didn't do anything. No, he really sucked. And it's a shame. I mean, he's a nice fella. But uh, it's clear he's not a good leader. And he does not. he's not able to protect his family Well, whatsoever. it's a show choice because, you know, in the book he's like 10 or 9 or something. Yeah. He's a little kid. And in the yeah. show they chose to make him like 16 and they chose to make him just a... Uh, I guess an awkward teenager who's a coward. Uh, I, don't I, know. I, I thought of more as like thirteen or fourteen in the show. Uh, I don't know. It could be. Uh, rega- that's still like that's some pretty deep statutory rape then with large margin him, which is disturbing. 
But um, I think I think like the age of like when you're supposed to be married in the show is like 16 or so. But uh, if you're a king, though, yeah, that's at least 13. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, king, you add three years. It's it's no, you take his his age Mm -hmm. (laughs) minus seven, and then you add three if he's a king. Divided by his dead brother's age. Uh, we like to have fun here, guys. Um, <laughs> Especially on that topic of children being well, let's, married. Yeah, let's move on to sunnier topics. So Sansa oh, is uh, <laughs> is hanging out in Winterfell, and she's disturbed by Mallory, or whatever her name is. Uh, what's her name? Ramsey's side, or main girl? Oh. I'm going to call her Mallory. Okay, so Mallory comes in. Uh, she said she said she's here to draw a bath. Kennel witch. Yeah, kennel, dog girl. Uh, <laughs> dog tries, lady. Dog, dog lady tries to scare Sansa by uh, washing her and saying, and referring to Ramsey's other girlfriends and what happened to him, and that how she should please him, because if she doesn't please him, she could end up like the others. Uh, while washing out the black dye in Sansa's hair, which leads me to believe that either Sansa has been reapplying this dye to her hair to make her hair black for several months, or it's the first time she's washed her hair in a long, long time. Uh, but eventually, Sansa figures her out and tells her to shut the fuck up. You're in love with Ramsay, aren't you? And um, she tells her she will not be intimidated, which is pretty great. Uh, so Sansa's standing on her own two feet. That's pretty good, right? So you think yeah, the episode's going to end here? Yeah, so, Let's just take a break there. Yeah, I did this stupid kennel girl. Um, I, I did not like her. And I don't really understand what this the point of this was either. It was uh, just to, to fucking be like a petty like teenage girl saying, I know, you know, but fuck who you, cares? I'm better than you. The kennel girl is a complete show fabrication, and also the kennel girl doesn't serve any purpose whatsoever it seems to me at least no it's just she's just like a shitty mini boss for this up ep- for the season yeah that they have to defeat later and they do that's it i did i did like how sansa kind of called her out and it I, I appeared like that, that as sansa well had some degree of agency even though afterwards she had to like do the thing where she kind of was uh like oh this was so overwhelming after i kicked her out of here okay but now i'm okay again um but still uh, Miranda, that's her name. Yeah, so Mallory leaves. Later on, Theon arrives to walk Sansa down the aisle. Theon mm-hmm. begs to take um, that she take his arm, and she is repulsed by him and refuses. Ramsey, yeah, yeah. Theon says Ramsey will beat him or hurt him, and she's like, why the fuck would I care what he does to you? Fuck you. <laughs> which I thought was yeah. pretty great, too. So more of her showing agency, which is great. Uh, but all that agency is going to go away. So uh, they eventually, her and Theon, uh, with him trailing after her, uh, they eventually get to the Godswood, and there's a ceremony which takes place in front of the Weirwood Tree. So I imagine Bran's watching all this in the future or in the past, uh, you know, because he's in touch with the Weirwood Net, so he's able to see his older sister get married to this monster. Um, and it's all whatever. Everybody's nicey-nice. The wedding plays out at length, which I found to be uh, boring and melancholy and just uh, just not a pleasant experience. Um, and right when they ask, do you take this band? I, 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 so I will on. say that the I thought the gods would look really cool in the, the dark. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, I thought that looked really cool. Yeah, with uh, can't, uh, those torches and stuff. I'd want to drink that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To have a kegger. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, with just the slightest hesitation, Sansa plays her part. She says, I do, whatever. Later, the married couple goes back to the bedchamber, and there's no bedding ceremony like we got in the Red Wedding, so... There's none of that jo- uh, this jovial. Is, this is the, the point where I turn it off. So this is the point where you turn it off. I'm going to tell you what happens. Yeah. So Ramsey asks if she's still a virgin, and he says, she says she is, and he's like, well, you better not lie to me. I don't like being lied to or some nonsense. Um, and once he's convinced of her obedience, he tells Sansa to take off her clothes, and Theon goes to leave, and th- he's like, Theon, where are you going? You're going to sit here and watch. Sansa... You saw her as a little girl. You grew up with her as a little girl. Now you're going to watch her become a woman. Just some awful shit. Um, Sansa starts undressing, but not fast enough for Ramsay, who rips her dress in half down the back and forces her down on the bed. Uh, so bends her over. Uh, and then we get a close-up of Theon's tortured face as we hear sounds of Sansa being uh, brutally raped by her second husband. So, yeah, that's that's this episode. That's how they chose to end it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't understand what did they think like what do you think the best case reaction to this episode would have been in their minds let's try to put our head into D&D like what are they what are they thinking oh what a brave choice to show uh, a main character getting raped on scene I mean that's really brave of them hmm do you think that's what it was do you think like and the Emmy for most brutal rape <laughs> goes to oh, Dave and Buster, uh, or whatever their names are. They're they're uh they oh this, this V neck T shirt that expo this three thousand dollar V neck T shirt that exposes my chest hair so oh, it's yeah. really sexy. Yeah, I got a I got an earring. It's pretty cool, right? It's yeah, in the right yeah. ear. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, three days of stubble. I look like a fucking badass. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, no, I will Let's not bleach see. my teeth. Let's see her get raped. Yeah. I don't know. Seriously, like, in all seriousness, what did they think was going to be the reaction to this? It's baffling. It's absolutely baffling. I I don't know. I I don't know. I I mean, I can't even, I don't even, like, have a thing that I can speculate on. My speculation is this. So, I think we all, like, take for granted the prevalence of rape uh, especially in the Middle Ages, uh, and it's a brutal part of life, uh, and it's glossed over. I feel, but at the same time, no one wants to see this. Like you could have inferred this, right? Yeah, and you could have like the they could have implied it, and you right. could have inferred it. Yeah, well, there you go. Very good. Uh, but to show it like this is just it's it's nothing but gratuitous because once again, it doesn't do anything to the plot. No, not not a single thing, and that's what's so frustrating about it. Um, I mean, if it made sense, there, I, I think there have been even. Uh, you know what? I don't want to say that. I was going to say, I think there have been rapes that made sense in the show, but I don't actually want to say that. <laughs> this one, this one awful. made sense. This probably should have been done. Yeah, no, this sucks. Uh, I don't get it. Yeah, and it's it's worse. The worst thing. So. All right, yeah, all right, and this, and once again, the last thing I'll say on this is the previous. So there were two other previous rape scenes involving main characters. The first mm-hmm. one being from uh, season one, uh, where Danny uh, is taken by her new husband. Um, 
Drogo? What is the name? Is that his name? Cal Drogo. Yes. Yeah. And th- that's a complete show invention because yep. in the books, he's kind of like scared in about the it, but books, then she's into it. Yeah. In yeah. the books, Drogo takes the time to like do foreplay and she eventually says, yes, yes, yes. Um, so she, she courts it very similarly Awful. to what happens with Jamie and Cersei um, at their son's funeral, at Joffrey's funeral, which happened last season. And in the books, uh, and you weren't here for that episode, but Jermaine was on there, and I imagine you listened to it several times, right? Oh, yeah. No, I haven't stopped listening to it. <laughs> but I read the passage from the books, and she's like, no, we can't do it here. No, no. Okay, yes, yes. Do me now. Do me now. Yes, put it in. And the and in the show, there's none of that. It's just Jamie just straight up raping his sister on top of their incestuous kid's corpse. God damn, that's terrible. <laughs> and then, yeah, as bad as that sounds, this is just so much worse. So fuck, yeah. fuck this show. All right, uh, let's go ahead and rate it. I'm going to give it a... I gave a zero, I think, last week. And as bad as this is, and it almost got me to stop watching the season, there were a few moments. I did enjoy um, Jorah's uh, finding out that his dad was dead from Tyrion. I think that's the first time they, like established their relationship pretty well the queen of thorns was in this even though she was underutilized um other than that this is pretty much a stinker i'm gonna give it a point five. I, I don't even know what kind of sandwich i can say at this point um uh, because i've done shit sandwiches and this is worse than a shit sandwich uh I guess diarrhea sandwich. That's the only thing that's left. Okay, that's pretty bad. I'm going to go ahead and give that, uh, interpret that as a zero. So that's pretty With, good. Uh, diarrhea au jus on the side. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, dipping dipping the diarrhea sandwich in diarrhea oh, sauce. God, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> no, it's fine. I will not mark this as explicit on uh, Apple iTunes. Not iTunes. Yeah. No, Apple Podcast, not iTunes anymore. Which no one's saying that shit. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's funny on uh, Hollywood Handbook, our favorite uh, podcast. If you guys want to stop listening to this podcast right now and go check that out, you should. Hollywood Handbook, they keep marking, uh, remarking on it. So iTunes wants people uh, in the podcast world to stop referring to it as iTunes and start referring to the podcast as Apple Podcasts. So that's the rebranding oh, that's, that's going on. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, guys, this was a really terrible episode. Um, don't watch it again. We've had to watch it twice now. So uh, just just listen to these podcasts going forward. Don't don't watch the TV show anymore until season six comes around or now season season seven. So we're almost done. We're almost we've almost lapped ourselves. We're almost back to being current. How do you feel about that? Uh, oh oh shit! Uh, Fuck that question. Throw that question away. Agreed. We need to talk about the season seven trailer and the season seven like pictures that we saw in uh, that magazine. So the season seven trailer dropped, and also some pictures from uh, an EW or one of the magazines. Who cares? Uh, Hell yeah! Danny's riding Drogon, and Drogon looks like uh, fucking I don't know. Like uh, I don't even have a sense of scale. Like she's riding Godzilla. We. Yeah, we talked about this. I, I think that they've said that they wanted the dragons in season seven to look like seven forty sevens. That's just too crazy. That's just too. What do you mean that's too crazy? 
that's too crazy because they don't. They should show the uh, maybe the dragons getting bigger over the course of a season, but maybe that's too much for their CGI budget. So they have like one size for the C- for the. No, dragons. they think that it should be cheaper when they're smaller. They're little little dragons. No, I'm saying they should increase them. Maybe just up them in scale. Just take you know, <laughs> take the uh, CGI and just increase by I don't know ten percent every episode. I don't know. Enhance, enhance, enhance <laughs> twice. Uh, but yeah, it just, it Drogon seems ridiculously big. And then we have the new trailer. And I, the only thing I'll notice about the trailer is that the show looks more like a movie. I don't know if it's the color correction. I don't know if it's the lighting, but it looks more substantial. Uh, I like the, uh, the new costume for the Unsullied. They look scary. Mm-hmm. They, they are, they, they look like they have different costumes that are, uh, all weather kind of, black from head to toe they look uh, like a something to be reckoned with um yeah it it just has a feel of like a a big budget movie as opposed to a tv show and i mean and it's been this is one of the better looking tv shows out there but still it looks even better now so that gets me excited but we really didn't learn anything else besides uh cersei is in charge and she has people wanting to kill her from all sides that's about it yeah i i did I think I thought there were some cool images from the the trailer, but I don't, I definitely don't think that it revealed very much. Other than there's going to be a lot of fighting, it looks like. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that as well. And um, once again, I enjoyed season six so much better than this season because I think it was so yeah. much more uh, lighthearted and frivolous. Um, and I can divorce it from the books a lot better when it's this kind of. Uh, not disposable, but more like a spectacle, I guess. Um, so yeah. I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm looking forward to a lot of battles, a lot of explosions, a lot of fire, a lot of, I guess, dragons that are the size of a city. Um, well, the the season six had the last two episodes were just killer. Yeah, they were. The Battle yeah. of the Bastards was amazing. Battle of the Bastards, and then followed by the um, by the the bombing of the Sept, where it had that incredible uh, cello music. Yep. Throughout the entire thing, I mean that thing was incredible. So, and I think it might have been the same episode where Danny like returned with her dragons and just wrecked shit. And you, you, yeah, you saw her with the uh, on the ships with the dragons flying around. Yeah, heading back to Westeros. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, so I, I guess I'm looking forward to the season. I'm not looking forward to finishing season five with you over the next couple couple weeks while we wait for the new season to start. Well, hard home is coming at least. Yeah, we got hard home to do, and once again, if we reach our goal of a hundred thousand dollars in donations, we will release our original oh, yeah. uh, so hard close. home. Yeah, <laughs> we're very close. We just need you guys to donate another couple grand. Uh, but yeah, we did record hard home. I think it was one of our first episodes that we never released. We was just practice, right? Yeah, yeah. We will release that, guys. Why, if we why, get... Yeah. Why are you talking about this? Because we're gonna release it as a as okay. a gift to our Patreons. Good God, even Sam's shoes bored at this point. Anyway, Cut it off, yeah, dummy. all right, cutting it off like a turd. Guys, this is the worst episode ever of Game of Thrones. Don't ever watch it again. And this podcast. And yep. this podcast. Take care, guys. We'll see you next Tuesday. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. Hey,